It happened again just the other day. A lady contacted me and said, before I found your resources, I think I did everything wrong when it came to trying to save my marriage. She had discovered that her husband wanted out of the marriage, and like most people do, she started doing things to try to salvage it because she loved him and didn't want the marriage to end. But as she found out when she found our resources, the things that she was doing actually was pushing him further away and, and creating more of a likelihood that a divorce would occur. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam, along with Jim Porto, my dear friend that I'll introduce in just a moment. We want to share with you three things that if you discover that your spouse wants out of the marriage, three things that you should not do if you want the marriage to continue. Obviously, you could say, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more. But if you indeed really do want to salvage the marriage, then there are three things that we're going to suggest to you that you not do. I'm Dr. Joe Beam with Marriage Helper. And my friend Jim Porto, who has his own company, Jim actually is a consultant to businesses ranging as far from, as from corporations to churches, where he does a lot of consulting, helping them do a lot of things. He also works with us at Marriage Helper. He leads our intensive three-day workshop, many of them, and he's outstanding at that, by the way. He also does coaching with couples on, uh, on the phone and other ways and actually teaches other people how to do coaching. He's amazing in so many ways. <laughs> he's my dear friend. I love him, but he's really, really good at this. Jim, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Thanks, man. I'm really happy to be with you. Of course, get to hang out with you a little bit, but also get to add a little bit of value this, uh, this day to folks who are listening to the broadcast. So really glad to be here. Yeah, I think it's going to be more than a little bit of value. I really do. Uh, Jim and I have fun. I love him dearly. He is a dear friend. At some point, we should record the kind of things we talk about when we're not being recorded. <laughs> but then, but then people will blame you as different. Yeah, I think that might be. Re- we might even want to reconsider that. We both have warped senses of humor. So <laughs> Mine's Jim, good. Yours is warped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't even argue with that. So, Jim, when it comes to, okay, I just discovered my spouse wanted another marriage. Maybe I just caught him or her in an affair. Or maybe my spouse just walked in and said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Something like, well, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Or even, I have never loved you. You know, a whole scenario of things we hear. The three things that we want to talk about. Let's start with number one. What's the first thing we recommend? Do not do this. That's really good. You know, Joe, um, with uh, the majority of my clients, this is one that is in common with with really the, the most of them. And that is the fact of, of you want to be careful about not letting your emotions rule your decisions. Okay. Now, again, we're not saying here that you are to be unemotional or or lack emotion. I don't think that's even possible. Um, When we hear good things or bad things, either way, uh, you know, we are influenced by our emotions. But there's a difference between being influenced and ruled by them. And it's, it's very, very important, the difference between the two. Okay. I don't think anybody out there is like Mr. Spock or <laughs> has the ability to, to do There are occasions when I've wanted to be Mr. Yeah, Spock. Yeah, I can do yeah. the handshake. That's about it. You know. <laughs> but you feel what you feel. Okay. Yeah, well, you, you just do. And, that, and, 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 and that's the reality of, of being a human being. And it's also what makes us awesome. Mm-hmm. that we have the emotions. It's really that when we are over-emotional or we begin to make decisions based on emotions, um, it becomes to be problematic. 
especially if we're in a sense of heightened emotion, you know, so mm-hmm. they'll tell you, you know, if, if you're either really happy or really sad, you know, you probably don't want to go shopping. Yeah, either way. Yeah, it's it's probably not good, you know, or don't go shopping while you're hungry at the grocery store. Yeah, I, I dropped into Costco just yesterday <laughs> to pick up one thing. How'd that work out for you? Well, I spent $171. Wow, that was easy. And that was just at the at the food bar, right? Because I was hungry. Yeah, that's me, man. Mm-hmm. Every time. I joked about that the other day. So what happens is we're influenced by things. Mm-hmm. And so emotion is very, very powerful. Um, it can distort our view of things. It can distort the intensity of things, um, whether we're really happy or really sad. And so the key in this is not being um, emotionally detached or to be without emotion. The key for me and when I'm working with clients and I know in my own life, Joe, is is really just not letting them rule mm-hmm. my decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what would something like that look like, you think, what, ruling a decision? Well, it's according to which emotion we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk to you about two or three. One is people because they, they love their spouses and they want to keep the marriage together, like one of the primary emotions that they deal with is fear. Mm-hmm. And when they become afraid, they do all kinds of things. And there's another I want to talk about after that, which is anger. But let's talk about fear first. So I just found out that my wife is leaving me and uh, I'm, I love her. Therefore, I become afraid because I'm afraid I'm going to lose this relationship. You've seen as well as I have the kinds of decisions that people make and the things that people do in fear. Yeah, they do. Well, let's say they, I do crazy things <laughs> when <Okay. laughs> when fear steps in, that's for sure. You know, fear is, is really related to emotion. Um, you know, you could argue the stance a little bit, but I'm saying that, you know, babies aren't born fearful. I had read somewhere that the only two fears that a baby has is the fear of loud noises, because it startles them, or of falling. Hmm. But even then, it's not the fear the way that we think about it exactly. because they don't anticipate it in advance, right? which is what we do. We are, are experts at that. Whether you've been to school or not, you have been to school <laughs> of life or hard knocks. It's taught you fear really is in your mind, you, you know, and it really is there. You know, I, I've often thought of myself, if we were standing on the precipice or the edge of a great cliff uh-huh. and I was two inches away, now it's solid, so to speak. Um, but, but the danger of me one inch or two inches from the edge or one mile or two miles from the edge is no different. In terms of if we were actually going to fall. If we were going to fall. Mm-hmm. Um, yet the closer we get to the edge, our fear intensifies. Yeah. So fear is kind of holding a mental image of what you don't want to happen. Huh? Oh, it's, it's huge. It's huge. And, and so fear um, affects how we decide what we do. Um, how we move, um, it it brings us into uh, a spiral of creativity towards disaster. <laughs> you know, that'll it's amazing. My, that'll be my next book, and you'll you'll get no credit for that <laughs> whatsoever. Okay. But that's brilliant. I'll read Say it that one more time. A spiral of creativity towards disaster. I love you that. Know, it's true, though. We become creative in our of what could go wrong. Mm. You know, and 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 it just robs us of everything. So mm-hmm. if a person is looking at emotional and fear hits them, I fear they're going to leave or um, actually I'm talking to a client right now that they've been separated for, um, I think, a year now. And the wife is coming back and the fear is actually them returning because mm. I've been separated for a year. We haven't been together. Mm-hmm. They're coming back. Now I'm afraid what's going to happen. What's going to do? You know, and there are some bridges you just 
can't cross until you get there. That's deep, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and it doesn't mean we don't prepare and things, but nevertheless, it's the fear. And I'm amazed how creative we can become, myself included, when we have something that we're afraid of and in inventing what could happen. Um, it's, it's the possibility over probability. And it's okay. a big deal. No, in our business, where we work with marriages in trouble, what kind of things have you seen people do? Because I've seen many <laughs> that the fear leads them to do the wrong thing. Can yeah. you give an example of that? Yeah, I, I think one of the key things that people can do is um, overpromise or overcommit. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to do this or um, I won't do this forever. Now, the intention is proper. And what I mean by that is that making the decision for uh, for you to stop doing things that bring harm to the to the relationship, I think, is important to make. But I remember I was speaking to one guy um, and he said, well, one of the things I'm going to do is my wife said I wasn't attentive enough to her emotional needs and things like that. So one of the things I'm going to do is every day. I'm going to write her a little note and put it on her pillow, uh, something positive about her. Well, she must, I don't know how amazing she is, but for the next year, he better come up with 365 <laughs> unique yeah. qualities of his wife um, because she'll probably remember them if it's repeated. Yeah. And uh, it's, I, I just said, good luck. And, and I wasn't being derogatory in it. It's just that this is something that's going to be hard to upkeep. And we don't want to start stuff. And, and and be exuberant about the starting of it and not be able to complete it or follow through with it. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, people will make a decision. I'll never do this again or I'll mm-hmm. never say that again or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't usually pan out well because they haven't thought through the probability of being able to complete that promise. Hmm. And so by making the promise and doing it for a while and starts fading away, hmm. the negative consequence on the spouse like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's you. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't change. Mm-hmm. Six months later, even I knew you were gonna. You know, it, it, it's it, people do that. <laughs> Absolutely, and in my opinion, one of the things that drives that about fear is because fear actually affects the way you feel about the other person. Mm-hmm. Fear intensifies passion, and so we see it a lot. That uh, you know, I I love Alice, but if I discovered that Alice was about to leave me or wanted to leave me, mm-hmm. the fear of her leaving me would make that feeling of love dramatically increase fear intensifies passion and and you're and if you're thinking well that's not a bad thing no not necessarily except that it can lead you to make some decisions that are pretty negative like over promising those Mm -hmm. kinds of things or even giving the message to the other person that you don't want to give such as well you can go do whatever you want and live any way you want and if ever mm. you want to come back to me i'll be here pining away living my life alone and lonely just waiting for you now you might be thinking wait a minute don't you want to communicate to them that that you want them to come back that you want the marriage to last yeah but not in the sense of where you appear to be giving them permission to do whatever the heck they want to do. And it will always be okay because I've had spouses actually tell me that the one that was leaving the abandoning spouse. Uh, well, my wife said that she's going to pine away and wait for me. So I think I'm going to go ahead and pursue what I'm going after. And if it doesn't work out, I'll always know I can go back and it's okay. No mm-hmm. matter what I do, that's not a message that you want to give. Yeah. I love you. I, I can forgive you. Love to work this thing out. Those are strong messages. But fear sometimes leads them to, well, and do other things like um, whine and beg Mm -hmm. and plead, Mm -hmm. which is not attractive whatsoever and often will actually push the other person away faster because 
you can even become manipulative. One guy told me years ago, he said, I have made arrangements where she can't leave me. <laughs> what do you mean? Because he was working off to the next emotion, actually, that I don't want to get to right away, which was anger. It was fear. I don't want to be alone, but it was also anger. And so I've done things financially. I've talked to her family. I've talked to the people at church. I've talked to her friends. If she leaves me, she's got all these negative consequences, and <laughs> therefore she can't go. To which I replied, why don't you just chain her in the basement? And he said, well, then she'd be here, but she didn't want to be. <laughs> I said, you know, I, think you're, I think you're missing my point here. <laughs> oh, and by the way, uh, do not say, well, I have it on, on recording that Beam said you just change <laughs> yeah. chain, chain your spouse to the basement. It was no. an illustration. And so out of fear, now it's, it's okay to feel the fear. Mm-hmm. It's very human. But when you make emotion or make decisions in the intensity of emotions, they often turn out to be bad. And then, of course, there's that other emotion, anger. Yeah. Well, I, there's been once or twice that I've been pretty mad, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, we know that the underlying factor or contributor really is hurt there. Mm-hmm. I've been hurt somehow. I've lost something. My expectations weren't met. My mm-hmm. trust has been violated in some mm-hmm. way. And so um, when the when anger hits us, it it tends to be a more negative action. Mm-hmm. So where fear in one a- an aspect can lead to what we would view in quotes as positive, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do these things, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, you know, we, one part we didn't, if I digress one second, which mm-hmm. is, is fear also kicks up that wall if we're not careful. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, uh, if I'm afraid of something, I'm going to, I'm going to protect myself against it. And so if I'm not careful, what happens and fear, what can cause me to erect a wall around me that protects me from the pain that could come as a result of what's happening. And remember, it's emotional. So it's a, usually a higher level of impending doom, so to speak. So the sense that, um, that I know you're going to hurt me. Therefore, I'm going to wall you off so I don't care if you hurt me. Yeah, which, which you know, you feel like you would pick this up. And, you know, uh, anybody listening has probably looked at friends and seen them do this, so mm-hmm. to speak. But, you know, I think you're going to hurt me, so I'm protecting myself or I'm withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And thus, I hinder the ability to build intimacy, ah. you know. And that, and, and that fear affects every relationship. Mm-hmm. So you may be in fear with your spouse, but if you begin to put walls up, that eventually begins to wall you off, not just from that person, but for the people who are around you. Uh, that's a very good point, Jim. And we've seen that many times, have we not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I've lived it, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I did for a period of about three years back in earlier in my life. Now, you might be listening thinking, why do we care about this? I guess this is only relevant to you if you actually want to try to do the things to save your marriage. Oh, truth. Yeah. And in the subsequent podcast, we'll do the, we'll talk about three things you should do if you want to save your marriage when your spouse wants out. But we're talking about now three things you shouldn't do. So in anger. So Jim. yeah, hijacked on fear for a minute there. But mm-hmm. the anger aspect tends to result in a more negative way. Um, uh, I, I, I don't see a lot of examples of when someone is angry or hurt that it comes out to be positive. It can come out as aggression, mm-hmm. passive aggressiveness or things mm-hmm. like that. But typically when we are hurt, if we think of hurt underneath, underneath anger, you, all of us or most of us have heard the comment, hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm hurt, um, it, it's the, re- the reaction to that would be to cause pain to the other person. Mm-hmm. Now, it may not be in the same way. But it is a, 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 a response or more of a reaction to what happens there. And, the, and the, really the general problem with anger um, uh, occurs in the relationship is that we begin to create more baggage and more boundaries mm-hmm. following that. Mm-hmm. So the emotion of anger hits me and I do 
or I say something um, that brings up either a wall on the other person or mm-hmm. disrespects or shows we don't care at that moment. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all have done that at some point, Joe. Sure we have. Said something, done something. We're like, man, why did I do that? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you why, why we did that. We were emotional and we weren't thinking. We let our emotions rule, which was mm-hmm. the first thing, you know, what we're talking about here. And so if I can pause for a minute and stop back and, and, and drop back, remove myself, Ethan, from the situation. Now, I'm not talking about ghosting someone or, you know, in the middle of a text, just quit talking to them or, or say, I'm going to hang up and not, but say, Hey, you know what? I need to step away from this. I'm angry. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling, I'm feeling upset or I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, then you might be able to process it a, it a little better. And I tell clients all the time, I say, look, if you're about to do something crazy and mm-hmm. they know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, text me, um, do something yeah. like that. Find somebody that can just talk you off the edge for a minute, because if it was a good choice today, it'll probably be a good choice tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And and we have seen the thing very thing you're talking about here, people ranging from screaming and shouting obscenities at the other person, mm-hmm. like I'll get you toe. Um, <laughs> or say for example, your spouse might be involved with somebody else that uh, you do everything you can to destroy the other person's life. Mm-hmm. Like my my husband is involved with this hussy. And so <laughs> I, I haven't am, heard that word in forever, yeah, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess I just demonstrated my age. <laughs> did I not? And so I'll contact her husband. I'll contact her right. employer oh, and man. that kind of stuff because I'm going to well. do her in. Or uh, uh, I'm going to call and get my husband fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, all kinds of things like that. And, and what you just said is very applicable here. If it's a good decision today, it's a good decision tomorrow. Why not wait because if you let, if you make a decision in the height of emotion, it very likely may be the wrong decision because mm-hmm. of what it's going to bring about. The consequence, either positive or negative, you need to consider. And so when people say, yeah, but at least I got him told. Okay. What were you trying to accomplish with that? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you, is, did it bring you the result you were looking for? You know, I told him off or I told her off and now we're much closer. Yeah, I, I don't like, see that that often. Well, yeah, but I felt better for a while. Well, sure you did, but yeah. there's not just a short-term consequence. There's always a longer, and sometimes longer and longer than that. Yeah. Well, one of the things you taught me and going through the workshop, for those that don't know, Shannon and I are graduates of, of the Marriage Helper 911 workshop, is that you know maturity is delayed gratification, the ability to delay gratification. And sometimes I want peace, and in attacking someone, I actually get peace for a moment. I feel good mm-hmm. because I've released that emotion, only to find out that it just delayed my um, pain a little longer instead of really dealing with it. Or it actually caused more pain. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, there's tons of stuff that I have said in anger in the past that, you know, were years ago that Shannon has been influenced today over, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, kind of jokingly, we've said it to one another. We said, it's amazing. The negative things we said two years ago, we still remember and the positive things yesterday. We can't. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of human nature. Isn't it? So here we are saying, okay, if you really want to do the things to save your marriage, we're starting with the things not to do. And if you're thinking, oh my goodness. I've already done that. I've operated out of fear. I've made promises about amazing things I'm going to do that now that I'm listening to you, maybe I can't. I have said the mean things. I have made the wrong phone calls, et cetera. Okay. We're not here to beat you up about what you've done so far. No way. Mm -mm. And, and if you say, but I really blew it. Well, welcome to the human race. Yeah. I think we should make a t-shirt Joe and through marriage helper. It just says, I screwed up. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get a polo done out of it so I can wear it to good events. But, you know, we're all screwed up. Uh-huh. We really are. And that's not that's not freedom or license to to screw up more. It's just the fact that that we make mistakes. Um, we are finite beings. We don't know all the answers. Fear does set in. Anger sets in. Other things set in. Jealousy and envy and all kind of these real positive things. And mm-hmm. we react to them and it affects us and the people that are around us. It's just how do we get control of that? Excellent. So the first thing we recommend is try not to do anything or make major decisions and the heights of an emotion, whatever the emotion might be. And oftentimes what I'll tell people real quick, Joe, is I'll say, ask yourself a couple questions. The two questions I would say would be, so what and now what? Um, so what if I do what I'm about to do um, right now? How will it impact or affect the relationship? Will it be, is it probable that it will be positive or negative? Um, so I, I see this a lot when a spouse is snooping or doing background um, information on their spouse and they find something that um, is less than desirable. It mm-hmm. might be an email. It could be a receipt. It, it could be that they went in the history and saw some porn usage or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and so so the, the real question is, so what? So what if I talk about that? So what if I confront them? Mm-hmm. Um, how will that affect the, the, the relationship? But then you can't do that question by itself because people could justify that very well. Well, you know, I, I saw this email and confronting mm-hmm. them will show them that I know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I won't even get into to the possibilities that run uh, either way on that. But you have to ask, then now what? So if you're, if you're looking or you find information or you're about to do something, let's, let's follow the vein that we were just talking about where you've, you've been looking and, and snooping for information um, to, to show, you know, to, I was talking to someone the other day. They said, I have an intuition. And, and you know, mm. I said, where'd that intuition come from? From mm. snooping, basically. But, yeah. but to fulfill the intuition that something's going on, well, you say, so what? Then you say, now what? Now, what am I going to do with that? So, you know, I feel like my, my wife is talking to another guy. Um, because I found this information. I'm not saying avoid it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you got to ask your question to yourself at some point. Uh, make sure that's not at the emotional time. And you say, well, then what am I going to do it? If I ask them and they say, yes, it's I am talking to another person or interested in another person. What are you going to do then? Mm-hmm. What's going to be your reaction? You're probably not going to be, you know, stoic at that point. Right. And so and so what are you going to do then? And what if what if they say No. Will you even believe them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are bridges we don't want to cross at that moment. Exactly. We want to have thought through that because mm-hmm. that could move into other emotions and other damage that happens in the relationship. Yeah. And so sometimes people ask me, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna hire a private eye to follow my spouse around. I'm going to hide a GPS tracker in his or her car, et cetera. What do you think about that? And my response always is, if you're wanting to divorce, that'll give you some great information. Yeah. Yeah. If they're doing something wrong, that'll give you great information. But if you're wanting to work this marriage out, I guess the good way to it is like you said, now what? Yeah. I just talked to a client about this last week. Um, I said, you know, I think the struggle you're going to have to come to is whether you want to invest in the divorce or, or invest in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know this doesn't feel good at first. And, and, and I'm not a, uh, I don't even play a lawyer on TV. So I, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not talking about law here or mm-hmm. things like that. It's just that it's really hard to be duplicitous in that focus, mm-hmm. uh, that I'm trying to find information to protect me 
um, in a divorce. And at the same time, I'm trying to build trust in a relationship with the person that I'm trying to find dirt on, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know how to do that. Well, I don't know how to coach you there. Right. Two different goals going two different directions. It just really is. And so I think that's part of it that people have to consider. And a lot of times it's emotionally driven even to do that. Yeah, it is. Now, Let's go ahead, and, and we could talk about this a lot longer, oh, yeah. but I'm hoping you're hearing the point, which is try your best not to make your decisions or do things in the heights of any emotion. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, we're going to get to it in the third point. If you're thinking, well, what if I did that already? Or, well, what if it, even after I know to do better, I have an occasion where I mess up? We'll get to that <laughs> in point three. But point two is this. And the first one is don't let your emotions rule you. And point two is don't listen to everybody. That's good. So for example, um, you may have your family members who that you're talking to. Let me tell you what my husband or my wife did. And of course you can tend to slant it your way because that's what human beings do typically. And then they say, what you need to do is to get out. You don't need to be there. You need to do this. You need to do that. You do need to do the other. And your friends will do the same kind of things. And it's, the advice they give sometimes is the worst advice you can get, but it's not because they're bad people. It's because they love you and because they love you and they see you being hurt, they'll tend to have some pretty negative emotions toward the person that's hurting you. And therefore the advice they give tends to be advice that if you follow makes things worse. Now, again, if, if you're just running out of a marriage, do whatever you want to do. Sure. But if you really want a shot at saving this marriage, be very, very careful about listening to your friends. A lady said to me the other day, well, I told my friends about my husband doing this, and they said, don't believe him, he's lying. And my question back to her was, why are you talking to them about this? <laughs> because what kind of response do you expect to get from them? Right. And uh, how would they know that he's lying? It's amazing because I think all of us are influenced by previous relationships, mm -hmm. you know, what we've gone through and what our, and what our experience is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we want to, we want to help people. I remember when I left Shannon, um, some of you know our story, some of you don't, I won't get into it today, but nevertheless, when I left Shannon, I remember talking to at least two of my relatives. Of course, I'm framing it from my perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I was in Limerence at the time, and we have plenty of information that you can look out to find out what that is. But um, I had re I had like recreated, rewritten history mm -hmm. with Shannon and I. And I remember talking to these two relatives and saying, you know what? I never loved her. I never had really anything in common with Shannon. And their response to me was, of course, I'm summarizing it, but basically was, you know, you're right. I've seen that. I noticed that and things like that. Now, I don't know if they genuinely felt that or at that point they realized mm -hmm. um, either consciously or subconsciously that, that my relationship with Jimmy's not terminating. Uh, we're, we're relatives. Mm -hmm. we're, mm -hmm. we're close relatives, but the relationship with Shannon probably will. So who am I going to identify with right now? And so they identified with me. Right. They mm -hmm. love me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and friends and family are going to tend to do that. It's going to be an oddity for one of them to go, hey, what you're talking about, Willis? I mean, I just <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I think you it's just showed be your age. Yeah, that no goes. joke. Uh, everybody likes that TV land, y'all. Um, but but I think that's a, a, a difficulty. And that, that's the negative side. Of course, the positive areas, we look at, you know, our grandparents or we look at people that are friends or family and they've been married a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, we're in crisis. What do we do? And those people are going to respond based on their experience, mm -hmm. which 
can have some very positive things that are in it. The challenge there is they're different people. Mm-hmm. They're different personalities, behavioral styles, a family of origin. They have different vulnerabilities mm-hmm. um, in their life that have affected them. Different cultures in which they grew up. It's mm-hmm. huge. It's mm-hmm. really, really huge. And so for me to start giving you need to do this type information makes some huge assumptions. One is that I assume that I'm in the same place, same time, same situation, same circumstances as you are with the same personality and the same desired outcome. I just don't know how that even comes together. So we go to these people, like I go to my grandparents, married 50 some odd years, and I ask them, what did you, you know, what, what did you do to make this marriage work? Well, the truth is that may not apply to me in general. Mm-hmm. You right. know, I, they talked to a 108 year old uh, lady the other day on TV and they said, well, what is, what is, you know, can you tell us how did you get to live this long? And, you know, she said a shot of whiskey a day and a can of snuff. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, give it a try, y'all. I just don't, I, you know, no, do not give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that's what's going to get you to 108 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a perspective. And so, you know, even if they have a positive thing, they may not have understood or not understand where you are. Uh, you know, I told you a story once before, Joe, about my grandparents. You know, I always thought they had the perfect relationship. And, and when I looked at them many, many years into it, it was amazing. I mean, they loved mm-hmm. each other. My grandfather loved my grandmother. They cared for each other and, and just they were so interdependent, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but my grandmother once told me about a time when they first got married where he was, you know, kind of proving he's the man of the house. And he kind of grabbed her by the back of the hair. Mm-hmm. And her response was a can of Crisco to the top of his head. <laughs> um, now, he did let go. So it was effective, although I would not suggest that as you move forward <laughs> with someone. Yeah. Um, but they've come through stuff. And the relationship that they have of their of themselves now or the view they have may not even be accurate based on 30 or 40 years worth of consistent activity. Mm-hmm. And not just getting bad advice, but you hit on a point a minute ago that they can actually encourage you to do the wrong things. Yeah. Not just giving you advice, you should do this, you do that. You say, I'm, I'll give you an example. I hadn't thought about this in years until you were talking a minute ago and then all of a sudden that memory flashed back you're welcome you're (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm here for (laughs) thank you (laughs) i i had not yet um back when and and people who listen to the podcast may know my story that i actually left alice for another woman and divorced alice we were divorced for three years before we put it back together and remarried each other and that was over 30 years ago so wow um but just giving that little bit of the story so people can understand what, what I'm about to say. Nobody yet knew I was involved with this other woman. And I was talking to a friend of mine who had just finished law school and was about to sit for the bar. He was an older student. Okay, he was in his 30s when he went to law school. So not just young, you know, you say, well, the guy was just young. This guy had been around for a while. And I, without telling him it was me, I started telling him the plans that this guy had about what he was going to do because he wanted to leave his wife with this other woman. <laughs> and and my friend's reaction was, what a jerk. This guy's terrible. And he, and he went on for four or five minutes about how bad that guy was based on what he was doing and what he was planning on. And of course, that guy was me. He didn't know it at that point. But here's the point of that story. A little later, not that same day, I let him know that I'm the guy. Everything changed. Hmm. No longer was it, this guy's a jerk, look at all these terrible things he's doing, how selfish he is. It was, well, then you need to do this and you need to do that. He actually was helping me. I actually went with him and his wife with my lover to dinner. 
in a place where I knew that we wouldn't be seen or caught. Wow. And so it went from, boy, that's an evil thing, Mm -hmm. to I'm right here with you, I'll help you, which was not the kind of support I needed at the time. Now, I'm not trying to put him down. He's a dear friend. And it was because he loved me that he did those stupid things. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the advice you get from family and friends. It's also the fact that sometimes he'll support you when... Somebody should actually be looking you in the eye and saying, because I care about you, let me point out that what you're about to do or what you're doing is not wise. Yeah, it's a challenge, I think, for all of us to be able to do that. So let's move to the next thing, which would be counselors and pastors. Now, understand up front, we are pro-counselors, we're pro-pastors. Yeah, some (laughs) of my best friends are counselors and pastors. Some of my best (laughs) friends are pastors in counseling. (laughs) Sorry, I get get That's kind of funny. At the same time, though, at the same time, um, we have good relationships with some really good counselors um, who will send people to our workshops. We'll mention about that in a minute. We hear from people who tell us a lot of things about the counselors they've been going to. And some of the things we hear indicate that there's some counselors and therapists out there that really shouldn't be in business if indeed they said the things that these people report that they're saying, such as uh, my counselor says that my husband is a narcissist. Hmm. You know, percentage of the population who are narcissists is extremely small. So how many visits did your counselor make with your husband before he or she made that diagnosis? Oh, well, my counselor never met my husband. (laughs) It's just based on what I say. And of course, the first thing that goes through my mind is run. Yeah. Because not only is that unethical, it's idiotic. Yeah, it's just not right. And and we have a lot of people come to us who say, my counselor said I should, we're just not compatible, we should leave. Now, I'm kind of lumping ministers into the same thing, although obviously they're different, uh, in that we had a lady contact us once and she said, my husband and I were in the process of reconciling. We went to our pastor to ask his help. He gave, her, gave us the Myers-Briggs. And then he looked at the results and said, according to this, you guys should have never been together to begin with. I recommend that you divorce. (laughs) And she said, what do you recommend? I said, well, since you are Christian and you're looking for Christian help, I suggest you find a pastor who is a Christian. (laughs) Uh, Just a disclaimer there. There are some pastors that aren't Christians. No, okay, but it's true. You know what I mean by that. Uh, Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, And so... Sometimes you should be very careful about listening to your counselor or your therapist or your pastor or a church leader or whatever, because they're not all created equal. And so we are great supporters and fans of counselors who are good. And there are, and they, and they send them to us all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, you might want to comment on this in just a second because of what I've heard you say before. But we'll often have counselors say, we send a couple to your workshop because you can move them ahead in three days, approximately six months in the work that I'm doing to help save the marriage. And I've heard you say similar things. Oh, without a doubt. I can, I can tell you that if, if, if when it comes to our, the materials and the um, system that you've put together, um, there are a number of copies out there. Um, but there are, there are none that are like the original. That's for sure. They don't have fidelity to that. And, and what I'm saying is that I watch people go through this workshop. I've been through it personally, let me say mm-hmm. that. And then watch people go through this thing once, twice a month with me. Um, and, and by far, six months, 
nine months, a year for some people, it propels you that far with the information, the application, the association Mm -hmm. um, with folks that are there uh, so that you can move forward in it. And so when you think about how important that workshop is, and then you think about having the right information at the right time, you then have the right recipe to move forward in a good way. And talking about uh, therapists or talking about pastors and things like that. I think that uh, it's safe to assume the majority of them have good intentions. Uh, yes. um, they mm-hmm. want to help. You yes. know, they, they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't. And there's, there's, there's very few folks out there who are pastors or therapists that are getting rich. A lot of the therapists I know, you <laughs> yeah. know, they're, they're working their hinds in off yeah. and they're not making huge, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or things like this. Right. So there's a desire to help people. Some of it comes out of they just don't know how. They don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. They've never heard of limerence. They've never heard of things like that. And, you know, I know that's one of the services you're doing now. You're going in and and actually helping some counselors understand those things. Yeah, counseling centers will bring me in to teach uh, about things like limerence. And again, uh, limerence is a word that if you haven't listened to many of our podcasts, you can find podcasts about. Just look for limerence. We have our podcast on iTunes and on Google Play. Just look for Marriage Radio uh, or Marriage Helper. Marriage Radio, I think, typically on those things. And you can find um, podcasts we've done about limerence if you want to know more about it. But you're right. Sometimes the education, and I don't mean to say the education is lacking. I'm not saying that. It's just, it's like being a physician today. Constantly. How do they keep up with everything that's coming out? You got to keep going. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I was seeing a thing the other day about that big IBM computer, the one that was on Jeopardy and one. Okay. You know, I can't think of the name of that computer right Mm -hmm. now, but that that's our cancer center using that. And they said they help diagnose what to do with patients. And they said, why? And they, they talked about how many thousands of studies are coming out every year. Right. And they can't read all of that, but the computer can. Now, we go back to counseling and some of the things that, well, let's just say, stay on the cutting edge. Now, uh, I'm trying to be very careful here because I don't want it to sound as if we're down on counselors. We're not. And the good ones are really good. If you have a good counselor, stick with him or her. Yeah, without a doubt. If you have a counselor whose main idea is to help you be happy as opposed to helping you solve your marriage problems, you may want to find another counselor because happiness is based on what's happening. And what I mean by that is that they'll help you actually end the marriage. Well, I've, I've, I mean, I've had a number of my clients uh, after working with them for a period of time say, you know, wow, um, our counselor told us after and this is what's shocking, you know, two sessions, three sessions we got together and they said, you know what, you guys should probably divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, and these are marriage. I, I'm missing something here, but these are marriage and family counselors. Now, not all of them, and we know a lot of great ones. Mm-hmm. I, I think some of them don't know what to do, don't know how to handle it. Um, you know, uh, I will say, let me just look at Jimmy for a minute. And that is, you know, I have to stay up on things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to challenge my thinking on a regular basis because, you know, on a given day, I'm speaking to four to six clients um, in relationship areas. And, it would be easy to fall into a routine or a rut of, well, this is what you need to do. This is what needs to happen mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. When when uh, there, are, there is a lot of research that is coming out, a lot of opportunities. Sometimes it's experience as you've looked at 
what you've been taught based on on application and daily life, how that it, it might be a little bit different. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've tested some rats and they didn't ask they didn't ask the same questions that my <laughs> clients do. And so being able to apply that is a pretty big deal. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just not as cut and dry as um, as we want to think that it is. Um, it's not real cookie cutter. And so I have to be careful. I don't fall into that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes counselors can do that. I think their intent is there, um, but it's finding the right counselor. I, I went through right. three of them before I found the one that really works for me. Wow. And I can tell you this, Joe, if you looked at him, you'd be like, what in the heck? This guy, I won't mention who he is, but he's amazing. He's got this long white hair, like halfway down his back. Hmm. He wears a jacket every day, but the shirt never matches. <laughs> he looks at me over his glasses, you know, yeah. um, and uh, and he's been one of the best things in my life. Awesome. You know, because he he takes time. He's taking time to understand me and and is helping me become a better version of me. Excellent. And so we recommend this. If you're going to look for marriage counseling, which is different than the other kind of therapy or counseling. Absolutely. A counselor who can help you deal with being sexually molested as a child. It's a different skill set. Okay. But if you're looking for marriage counseling, then we recommend you make a phone call. Any counselor who won't give you five minutes up front, you don't want to go see anyway on the phone mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. charge. And among the questions we recommend you ask is, will you, who's, will you make the marriage the client? A lady told me the other day because she's heard my podcast on that. Oh, and by the way, you can find that on iTunes and Google Play and Marriage Radio, a podcast about how to choose the right marriage counselor. And she asked that question. She said the first three or four calls said, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and finally, I found one that said, absolutely. Uh, yeah, obviously you guys are there are my clients, but my goal is to help you save the marriage. And she said, therefore I got to the right one. Yeah. You're going to have the same expectation, at least at that point. Now, before we say anything else that sounds too negative, understand that sometimes, sometimes people misrepresent counselors when they talk to us. <laughs> we know that, but the counselor didn't actually say what they said. And also sometimes the counselors want to be given a specific piece of information. You have a, an illustration, for example, about a beach ball. Yeah, I think that, you know, perspective matters um, in, in really every area of our life and uh, in business as well. And, you know, if we're looking at a beach ball where the you only can see one or two of the colors, there's usually seven or so colors within that. And if I had that between us, Joe, you'd be looking and say, I said, what color you see? So I see I see orange and white. And I'm like, well, I see blue and red. And we we have a perspective of that. And oftentimes when we go to people, um, whether it's uh, friends, families, um, uh, it could be a counselor or a pastor or something like that, you know, they see the perspective that we're offering. Mm-hmm. And that's that that is good to see. But it's obviously it's not the whole picture. If we really want to see the whole picture, we have to be able to flip the beach ball 90 degrees and take a look from the top or the bottom and be able to see all those colors. And then that gives us a full view or picture of the entire scenario, the entire the entire experience, whatever. Um, and it's very difficult for, I think, a, a person to give that by themselves. We have to mm-hmm. be able to ask those questions and get multiple um, opinions or statements from it. Um, sometimes people aren't ready to do that. They can't mm-hmm. do that. Usually friends and family cannot do that. Right. Um, and oftentimes it's a struggle. Uh, counselors are better at it. Um, it's often a struggle for our pastors to do that. If we mm-hmm. are both part of the same church, we go in, they know us, they have their biases against mm-hmm. us, you mm-hmm. know. Right. Um, they may not have have, uh, most pastors have very little training in psychology or training in what the mind and how the mind works right. and things like that. So the intention is good, but um, but their perspective skews their ability to to see the whole picture, thus give a good remedy to where you want to go. Right. 
Right. And they're doing it, as you said earlier, the best they can with the yeah. knowledge that they have. I don't think any of them have bad intentions. I, I agree. I agree. But as Dirty Harry. <laughs> as a great theologian and philosopher. <laughs> In one of the movies, I don't remember which Dirty Harry movie it was. He said a man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. And so I'm going to tie two of those things together. When you train our coaches that mm-hmm. work with uh, couples, and our coaches work primarily on the phone, that kind of thing, right? Because people are all over the world contact us. Yeah, ask clients in Dubai, Switzerland, all over. Mm-hmm. You train <laughs> our counselors how to ask the question so that they're not looking at the side of the beach ball. They're looking at the top of the beach ball where they can see all the colors, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, I'm, I'm not make sure you hear this. I'm not trying to convince you to leave a good therapist or counselor to come to one of our coaches. I'm not, that's not what this is about. But if you don't have the counselor, if you don't have one at all, or if the one you have is doing more harm than good, you might want to contact us to, to work with one of our coaches that's mm-hmm. being trained to see the bigger picture. And our coaches are trained to know their limitations. Without a doubt. I mean, I, I've been doing this a long time, and, and, and I believe I'm good at what I do, and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm educated and skilled in it. Yet, um, you know, I had someone talking to me about some sexual aspects of what they're struggling with, and, and I finished the call and said, i got to be honest with you and Frank. You know, here's some things you can do relationally there in mm-hmm. regards to the sexual aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I have some thoughts, but I don't just want to throw those out to you. I'm going to go talk to a, a good friend of, of mine. Some of you may have heard of him. His name's Dr. Joe Beam. And uh, and his expertise is really in that. He has spent thousands and thousands of hours developing a skill to understand some certain things. I'm going to ask him about it first. And so, you know, I called you. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. can we talk about this? And and uh, all of our coaches will be trained, the ones that are coming in new, the ones we have now, on understanding that, look, I don't know it all. In fact, mm-hmm. I don't even know most of it. Um, and I'm going to seek I'm going to seek good counsel um, from qualified to train people to help mm-hmm. me um, ask the best questions, offer the best perspective. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we're not telling people what to do. We're offering people a perspective so they can make their decisions and own them. Let me be clear. We will challenge you. Mm-hmm. We will. I mean, mm-hmm. that uh, we're not going to allow you to make a bad decision, so to speak, overall, based on our experience without us giving you information. Exactly. Right. Now, the decision is yours. But we're going to say, hey, look, you know what? Based on my experience, you, you, you make that decision. You do that. You're probably going to do some harm in this. Um, and so you might mm-hmm. want to reconsider it. Of course, if you do, I'm going to be here on the other side to help you anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a good point right there, Jim. People who tell you what to do. Oh, man. Oprah Winfrey. Everybody's Oprah. <laughs> Oprah, if you're listening to this, we need to talk. We've talked, and she knows that. <laughs> Understand that when people tell you what to do, your friends, your family will tend to do that. Here's what you should do. You need to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and we just kind of briefly alluded to it earlier. It's amazing how much they know about the motivations of your spouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he did this because of that. She said that because of this. Look, even you don't always know why you did what you no. did. No. I've done things in my life, and I thought, why the heck did I do that? Oh, I did that yesterday. So when people tell you, this is what they're thinking, this is what their motivation is, this is what you should do, I don't care if that person is a pastor or if the person is a counselor, unless it's something like you need to get to an ER, mm-hmm. I mean, or you need to call suicide prevention. I mean, those kinds of things, yeah, you understand? But otherwise, and, and Jim just alluded to this with us, we teach principles. We'll ask you questions to learn a lot about you. And then as we do, we'll ask you questions to get you to learn about yourself. Absolutely. We'll point things out. We will challenge you. 
but we won't tell you what to do. And you're thinking, why? Because we don't have to live with the consequences when you do it. Exactly. I think it's awfully bold for anybody to say, you do this. Because what if it turns out badly? Mm-hmm. I don't have to live with that consequence. They do. Everybody wants to be Dr. Phil for a uh, minute. And I think that's good television. <laughs> it brings up the ratings, but it just doesn't work out in real life. Because mm-hmm. um, at some point, I'm, it, I'm, well, I'm telling you, I'm going to be wrong often in my opinion. Which is why programs like that get sued a lot, yep, by the way. Yep, yep. And, and we come back to this and say, oh, so what's your point? We'll teach the principles. We will challenge you. We're going to try to see the top of the beach ball through the whole thing. And and then we'll help you think through the scenarios, as Jim just said. If you do this, here's a likely outcome. If you do that, that's a likely outcome. We'll be here no matter what. It is your decision. But do you really want to do that? Yeah, yeah. And we're, you know, these people that we're talking about, uh, friends, family, just other people or people who aren't trained, whether they're friends, family, pastors uh, or ministers or, or counselors, we're not trying to find someone who's unemotional. So we're not trying to negate um, as far as emotion or make mm-hmm. it where this is some sterile experiment, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, uh, I know that I'm, I'm emotionally involved. If I could put that in quotes with every mm-hmm. one of my clients, mm-hmm. I care for them. I have empathy. I, I, I cry with some of them, you know, some mm-hmm. of them are in great pain and that's in, if you classify people in the offenders and the offendees, so to speak, yeah. I cry with both of them. Yeah. Um, um, but I'm not going to let that influence my decision in helping you make decisions. Mm-hmm. moving forward and doing what's necessary for that. Um, and I think that's one of the key areas is getting the right information at the right time um, mm-hmm. in the right spirit. Um, so if you have a good counselor or therapist or a good pastor helping you, mm-hmm. awesome. If not, and you are getting advice from family and friends and people like that, you really may want to look into our coaching. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, you can find out about it by calling our office at 615 472 1161. That's 615-472-1161. Of course, you can always go to our website, which is full of all kinds of free information. We have articles, we have eBooks, we have podcasts. Our website is Marriage Helper. That's MarriageHelper.com. So, Jim, we covered two. I'm sorry. One other thing, too, is quit taking Facebook surveys. Oh, my oh, gosh. You know, I had a lady the other day. I'm sorry, not a lady, a man the other day who said to me, you know, I did a Facebook thing, and, and, and it definitely said, you know, my, uh, my wife is this way. Mm. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, they're cute. If you want to find out what your favorite color is or, you know, what movie will describe mm. you best, that's cool. But, man, run away from, you know, eight questions that can tell you what your life is oh, about on Facebook. Oh, absolutely. Or, and, 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 and this sounds like I'm trying to diss competition, understand that we don't have competitors. Anybody who truly helps marriages is not our competitor. Yeah, no, we're we're in the same. We're the same allies. Team. Yeah, if they can truly help marriages, we're allies. Absolutely. But are there people out there? Since you mentioned the internet, and and I know this one site. Actually, I I did it several ways because I was really curious. Answer these questions. You know, you answered one, sent you another page. Answer that one, and then it said, "This is what you need," and it was a, a, a CD oh. set. So I went back through it answering the questions different ways. And it always led to the very same CD set. Really? No matter what answer you gave. Smokey Robinson. <laughs> it was all about, you buy my CDs, I'll yeah. tell you exactly what to do. And if you do exactly <laughs> what I tell you to do, your marriage I'm will be I'm getting it. I'm buying safe. that today. Yeah. Don't believe that kind of stuff. <laughs> all right. So the first thing that we said was don't let your emotions control you. Yeah. The second is don't listen to everyone. And even us. Don't listen to us. 
unless you do a little examination and find Absolutely. out that we are valid. Mm-hmm. And number three, Jim, is don't. Yeah, be careful about um, expecting a quick fix mm-hmm. in whatever you're facing. Mm-hmm. A long time ago, a mentor of me looked at something I was doing. He said, how long did it take you to build this habit? I said, I probably do it that way for like 10 years. You know, I said, so, you know, what, a month or something? He said, no, why don't you give it five or seven years to undo it? <laughs> I'm not saying that's what you got to do in your relationship, but... You know, one of the things I've heard you say as we've talked together and done things is that as North Americans, especially so uh, maybe not everybody, but we tend to to expect things overnight. We look at microwaves and scream, hurry up. Um, it's just kind of how we're wired. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, oftentimes um, I've looked for it and I speak to clients who say, you know, give me a thing. What can I do? Um, mm. when people find out what I do at a party or something. They'll say, can you just tell me one thing, you know? Uh, how can I guarantee I'll never get a divorce? And I said, well, don't get married. I mean, that's, that's about the only guarantee I can offer in, in, yeah. in this whole thing. You know, it's pretty hard to do that if you don't do it. But but the truth is there are no quick fixes. Right. Um, it is a series of small steps that are, that are consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think there's some positive stuff in that. Number one, if it's if there aren't a quick fix for it, there means there also isn't a quick kill for it. Hmm. People are constantly um, sending me texts or talking to me on, on my private line, and they're saying, you know, I'm about to do this. Oh, my God. I, or I did this yesterday, and I guess now it's all over. Hmm. I'm like, no, it's not the one thing. Exactly. It's not the well, one unless thing. Unless it's like you shot somebody or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and yeah. then, you know, you're going to get out of jail eventually, so it yeah. just depends on how yeah. patient you yeah. are. But the point is there really isn't one thing in general that's going to tank the marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, it may make it a hell of a lot worse, mm-hmm. um, but it, it, there's not one thing. Thing you're going to do uh, that's going to tank it, and there's not one thing you're going to do to fix it, man. Right. Um, and because you know, Shannon and I are living our relationship. This November will be 30 years we will be married, and, and so you were like five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was. I got married in the womb, and uh, <laughs> you've heard of arranged marriage. You've taken it to the next next step. You know, we were di- we're different where I'm from. And uh, no, but it's it's you know we we do things. Sometimes we make big mistakes. Mm-hmm. We just do because we're human. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean you teach this stuff, Jim? You coach people and you screw up? Man, absolutely. Call Shannon up um, and ask her one day. Mm. Um, so does she, though, because we're humans. The thing is, it's not one thing that fixes it. It's not one thing that tanks it. It's it's the series of doing the right thing. It's the exactly. series of following through, showing proof happens over a period of time, not in mm-hmm. just a confession. And even... I mean, even if you have a come to Jesus, so to speak, quote, um, you know, moment, mm-hmm. um, I, I, we, I am a person of faith. I am a Christian. I do believe that God changes lives and everything mm-hmm. um, in an instant. There are oft times, though, that the habits take a minute to yeah. change. Yeah, just a minute, right? Yeah, you know, and, and that's hmm. the key, Joe. You know, we have those kinds of habits. Mm-hmm. And we know that to be true uh, in Scripture. We watch that, you know, Jesus himself sat with a bunch of disciples, and, you know, three years into it, they're still doing some of the same goofy things they were doing when he first picked them mm-hmm. up as fishermen or anything else. Mm-hmm. We struggle with those kind of things. And the encouraging factor is is to stay focused on the long game. Mm-hmm. Looking down, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Mm-hmm. And many times, in fact, most times in a marathon, you cannot see the finish line. I had never thought about that, but that's a good point. You know it's there. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a path to follow, mm-hmm. not an exact you know it's a general course description. I think right. that's what we offer. Right. Um, and and people who are using wisdom use that. So you're moving in the right direction. Um, but many times in marathons, what you'll find out is people aren't in competition with anyone but themselves. Mm-hmm. They're looking at their their time. They're mm-hmm. just moving forward. So people are passing you. You're passing people, but that's irrelevant. What's relevant is that you're moving forward. You're taking steps. You're moving towards the goal, so to speak. And what's that goal? Intimacy, passion, commitment. Our goal is to love, like, and respect each other. Our goal is to be closer than we were mm-hmm. um, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I do that? Consistent steps moving forward and using the definition of what I've heard you share with me many times, which is the definition of maturity, which is that delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Today, I may not be getting what I want, but if I keep doing the right things, right. if anything will work, this is going to work. And, if and I'm going to anything will work. If anything will. So you should, should follow with your illustration there. Not like it of the marathon. You're welcome. If you stumble, mm-hmm. you keep going. If yeah. you fall down. You get up. You just keep going. Yeah. Even sometimes, Jim, people come to our intensive three-day workshop. Jim uh, leads a lot of our intensive three-day workshops. Um, is extremely good at it. As a matter of fact, we're recording this the day before he starts one um, with some couples that have come in for this. We do, at the timing of this recording, we're doing it two a month, and mm-hmm. that'll be increasing soon. And people sometimes come to the three-day intensive workshop with a spouse who does not want to save the marriage, but came because they were offered a deal. Like if you come to the workshop um, a- after the three days, I will sign the divorce papers if you want me to, things like yep. that. Sometimes they actually tear up the papers during the workshop. People mm-hmm. say, great, but we don't tell them this is a three-day fix. It's a three-day actually seed planting. Absolutely. And so sometimes it's a week, three weeks, five weeks, six weeks, two months, four months later that they actually are able to turn it around and fix it. A couple came to a workshop not long ago. It had been a year since they'd been to the first workshop. Mm-hmm. And he said, finally, it sunk in. And so even with things like we do, which is extremely effective, you know, 75%, three out of four couples come to our workshop. It's powerful. Turn it around and, and, and salvage their marriages, which is really significant because the majority have one spouse there that has no desire to save the marriage. But it's still the marathon. It's not mm-hmm. the magic answer. And, and I love what you say about just like one thing won't fix it, won't fail, won't destroy it. No. And so if you've been messing up, if you go, oh man, I wish I'd have done blank. Good. Don't do it again. <laughs> that's, that's deep, y'all. You could write tweet that. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, it just really is. Um, it's, not a, it's not a license to screw up. It's just a realization that, um, that you will make mistakes and mm-hmm. don't let the emotion of that mistake cause you to do a bunch there more. There you go. And if somebody's telling you they have the magic answer, and if you do this, boom, everything's going to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, just go ahead and grind your money up in the garbage disposal. Yeah, it's just not going to help you. Okay. Jim, we're going to need to finish this up pretty quickly. Uh, if you are listening to this, to this point, hopefully you see the great value in the wisdom of Jim. Jim's one of our coaches. Want to find out about how to coach with Jim? 615-472-1161. That's 615-472-1161. Or any of the other coaches that Jim has trained or is training. Yeah, our coaches are excellent. So, I mean, of course, you may not be able to get with me. Uh, right, be a because wait, you book up. Uh, but but in all seriousness, uh, you know, these are people who will um, who have a vision and love for what we do in restoring marriages. That is what their focus is. Let me be clear. They're not going to sacrifice you on the altar of marriage. But the the client, so to speak,
speak is the marriage. How do we get to where you mm-hmm. really want to be mm-hmm. um, in the place and the timing um, that we can? So we're there to help. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Jim and I are going to do another subsequent podcast. This one has been three things not to do if you want to save your marriage. We're going to do another one on three things to do to save your marriage. I can't Jim. wait to hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for My being My pleasure, here. man. Love being with you. Look forward to being with you guys again on another podcast.